and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're looking at the 1897 Aurora, Texas UFO crash. That's correct, the 1897 Aurora, Texas UFO crash. Now, we've covered this before in the podcast, but this is such a fun and fascinating case to look at. I found this article on thinkaboutitdocs.com, and I thought it was pretty well done. I wanted to just uh, go over it a little bit. At the top of the article, they got some pictures here. And the headline of this newspaper says, Discovery of Evidence Surrounding 1897 UFO Crash Baffles Scientists. Of course, we know the crash happened in 1897. There were eyewitnesses. And then it was one of those cases where there was actual uh, debris found from the UFO reportedly. And not only that, but there was a dead alien on board this craft that was also buried in the local cemetery, we're told. that things got all kinds of twists and turns. But we'll just take a look at this report right here. And it says... Uh, think about it, crash report. The, the crash happened April 19th, 1897 at 6 o'clock in the morning uh, near Aurora, Texas. And this is a rural area. And then it goes on here. It says, for the summary, from the Dallas Morning News, quote, at about 6 o'clock this morning, the early risers were astonished at the sudden appearance of the airship, which has been sailing around the country. So that tells you there's been multiple reports of this UFO sighted around the country. And this is part of those uh, airship sightings that happened in the very late 1800s. It says it was traveling due north and much nearer the earth than before. Evidently, some kind of the machinery was out of order, for it was making a speed of only 10 or 12 miles an hour and gradually settling toward the earth. It settled over the public square, and when it reached the north part of town, it collided with the tower of Judge Parker's windmill and went into pieces with a terrific explosion scattering debris over several acres of ground, wrecking the windmill and water tank, and destroying the judge's flower garden. The pilot of the ship is supposed to have been the only one on board. While his remains were badly disfigured, enough of the original has been picked up to show that he was not an inhabitant of this world. Wow, now that's a mouthful. You know, you would think, and this is a prominent judge, local judge, if this was just a bunch of bunk, that he would have come forward and said, no, this is not true, this is not what happened. But it's odd this thing hit his windmill, and it attracted enough of a crowd that people showed up and discovered this dead alien who apparently had been killed in the crash of this vehicle. And it says, Mr. T.J. Weems, the U.S. Army Signal Service officer at this place, and an authority on astronomy, gives it as his opinion that the pilot was a native of the planet Mars. Papers found on this person, papers found on his person, evidently the records of his travels, are written in some unknown hieroglyphics and cannot be deciphered. Here we go at the hieroglyphics again. This ship was too badly wrecked to form any conclusion as to its construction or motive of power. It was built of an unknown metal, resembling somewhat a mixture of aluminum and silver, and it must have weighed several tons. The town is today full of people who are viewing the wreckage and gathering specimens of strange metal from the debris. The pilot's funeral will take place tomorrow. And that's, that is a, re, is a reprint from the UPI in 1973. Now it says, it goes on and says, quote, A grave in a small North Aurora, Texas cemetery contains the body of an 1897 astronaut who was not an inhabitant of this world, according to the International UFO Bureau. The group which investigates unidentified flying objects has already initiated legal proceedings to exhume the body. Of course, we find out later that, that they were not allowed to do that. After checking the grave with metal detectors and gathering facts for three months, we are certain we are certain as we can be at this time 
that he was a pilot of a UFO which reportedly exploded atop a well on Judge J.S. Parch's place April 19, 1897, Hughes said. He was not an inhabitant of this world. A few days later, another UPI account, datelined Aurora, quoted a 91-year-old who had been a girl for fi- who had been a girl of 15 in Aurora at the time of the reported incident. She said she had all but forgotten the incident until it appeared in the newspapers recently. She said her parents had gone to the site of the crash but had refused to take her along. She recalled that the remains of the pile of small man had been buried in the Aurora Cemetery. Not to be outdone, the Associated Press and a story dateline Denton, Texas, reported a North State Texas University professor who had found some metal fragments near the Oates gas station, the former Parker Farm. One of the fragments was said to be most intriguing because it consisted of primarily of iron, which did not seem to exhibit magnetic properties. The professor also said he was puzzled because the fragment was shiny and malleable instead of dull and brittle like iron. The Aurora Cemetery Association was successful in blocking the attempts to dig up the grounds in search of the quote-unquote Martian pilot. Look, doesn't sound like metal to me that we know of. doesn't sound like iron. That would have been rusted away after 100 years. Secondly, a lot of people have said, well, this could have been uh, some unknown person in an airship. That that's, that's just doesn't make any sense. If you do any research at all and find out how much work went into building one of these, you know, giant blimps, that they're almost the same thing that was being flown in World War One, say. A, a tremendous amount of resources. They took, I think, it was, it was in the dozens of cows, as I remember, that they had to go in and they used a cow stomach or cow bladder to to create the surface of these things. So this is 1897. Imagine the amount of natural resources it would even take to build an airship. And then is he filling it, filling it with helium, hydrogen? Is it hot air? I mean, how is this a one-man operation? This is not something that uh, somebody could just do as a hobbyist. Clearly... This was an unidentified flying object. Now, it goes on here. It says, as far as the full report goes, Texas Roswell, while the most famous UFO crash story of all time might be one describing the, Ros- might be describing the Roswell, New Mexico incident, it is not the first. On April 17, 1897, a mysterious airship would promote the town of Aurora, Texas to legendary UFOs at Roswell fame. It was not the first time that the Texas airship had reportedly been seen, nor was it the last. The significance of the Aurora encounter is that there was an alien body left to be studied, along with hundreds of reported sightings of the same description across the central United States at that time. The Dallas Morning News carried the story, but as current expectations would have it, the story was not a headline, nor was it even on page one. So if they were trying to sell papers with this thing, why wouldn't it have been on the front page? The story was on page 5, listed among more than 12 other articles discussing sightings of mysterious airships. In the two days prior to this incident, there were another 16 articles describing sightings by reputable people in the area of central Texas. In late November 1896, there were thousands of witnesses reporting a sighting of airships over California, some 1,500 miles to the west. Between November 1896 and April 1897, Many additional airship sightings were documented in several states from California to Michigan. Between April and May of 1897, the airship sightings continued, and more than 30 Texas counties reported by 
hundreds of real Texans, with the most common element being that it was cigar-shaped and could do things that today's airships can barely do. What they saw may never be determined, but did they see something of an extraterrestrial origin fly overhead? Well, look, it's a simple answer to that question, just through a process of elimination. We had no technology that could do that in 1897. Now, whatever these people saw wasn't something that we could just simply explain away as a blimp or some type of dredgeable. I mean, the technology and the resources just weren't available back then for there to have been this many sightings. Actually, what it was was a UFO swarm that was going on. As far as I'm concerned, these things were simply taking on the appearances of these airships. Now, the article goes on and says, Granted, many UFO sightings and pictures were hoaxes, but at the turn of the century, people had no motive to make up a story such as this other than simply stating that they were that they saw something and wanted to tell others about it. The story was all but forgotten until 2005 when Hayden Hayes, the founder of the International UFO Bureau, would arrive in Aurora to reopen the UFO investigation. The Aurora crash differs from the Roswell crash in that original documentation was not tampered with by the military, nor were the still-living eyewitnesses debriefed or told to keep quiet by the military. Well, why is that? Well, the deep state hadn't been established yet. This was prior to Woodrow Wilson coming in and setting up all these alphabet agencies. So people had a lot more freedom. They had a lot more, a lot less intimidation when they did report one of these things. In a lot of ways, it was a much freer country. It says, Hughes found that many residents wanted very little, if anything, to do with the story of the crash. But three or more people who were alive at the time were willing to talk to investigators. Robert Robbie Hansen, although not a direct witness, considered the incident to be untrue, simply because her father laughed at the story and thought it was a hoax. Two other witnesses provided first-hand accounts of the sighting, contradicting Robbie Hansen. Mary Evans, who was 15 at the time, recalled that something did crash. Her parents went to see the crash, but would not let her view the scene. Charlie Stevens was 10 years old at the time, and says he saw the smoke trailing an airship fly overhead and disappear near Aurora. He heard an explosion and saw the smoke plume. The young Mr. Stevens wanted to go and view the site, but his turn-of-the-century father would not let him because there were chores left to complete. Well, this is 1897. These guys were farmers. Your livelihood depended upon your animals. If you had to milk cows... The cows couldn't just wait three or four hours. The cows had to be milked at a specific time. The animals needed to be fed. They needed to be fed, they needed to be fed at that time. It wasn't like they had the luxury of, of a flexible schedule like we do today. You were bound to the land. So you could see why, hey, we haven't got time to go look at some space, uh, some you know possible UFO crash. They weren't even thinking about that. They were thinking about surviving to another day. He says the following day after returning from town, his father told him about all of the scattered wreckage he saw at the scene. A twist to the legend was added in 1945 when Raleigh Oates moved to Aurora, Texas. Needing water, he had the well that reportedly had the pieces of the spaceship thrown into it more than 40 years earlier cleaned out. Under the presumption that radiation from the well or the well water caused him to develop severe arthritis conditions in his left hand, and after more than 12 years of getting drinking water from the well, he sealed it off with a 6-inch concrete slab. It had been suggested that the bulk of the debris was hauled away to a currently unknown location, and the remaining smaller items were thrown down the well. 
Now, of course, you know, they did what people do in these situations. They wanted to clean the craft up. There's no uh, Pentagon to send this stuff to. I guess Tom DeLong's not around in 1897 to sell the craft to. So what do you do? Well, you throw this stuff down a well, an abandoned well. And that's what they did. They just wrapped up all the garbage from this UFO site, this crash, tossed it in a well, buried it. That was the end of that. It says, It has been suggested the bulk of the debris was hauled away to a concurrent to a currently unknown location, and the remaining smaller items were thrown down the well. In 1973, a small yet significant piece of metallic debris was found by an investigator from Corpus Christi, Texas, which is unlike anything that could have been developed either then or now. The item was tested twice, once at a specialized aeronautics, aeronautics failure analysis lab, which prefers to remain anonymous, and a second time at a... Anastas Technical Service Laboratories in Houston, Texas. Both studies reached the same conclusion, showing that the item had been there for a long time, a long, long time, and that it was composed of 95% aluminum and 5% iron. Iron and aluminum do not normally mix that way in nature. Alas, iron normally contains zinc and other materials of which there were none in this particular sample. The theory is that upon impact, the explosion resulted in molten materials being flung away from the site. The structural analysis of the material showed that it was molten and, the, and then air-cooled on the ground. This material, which was found and analyzed in 1973, could not have been made at that time on that farm in the town of Aurora or anywhere around there. It would have had to have been made in a very sophisticated laboratory using ultra-pure refinery techniques which are typically found today. A second set of samples were sent to Dr. Tom Gray, a professor at Kansas State University. The set included an interesting stone-like article, which was identified as a water pump propeller impeller. The other items were found to be mostly comprised of iron. Testing on this item resulted in a lack of magnetic attraction, which could, which could seem unusual. This is not the case, as depending on how the iron cooled, it may or may not have magnetic properties. These items were certainly what you might expect to find on a farm at that time period. Then it goes on and says, alien burial site. So now we've, we've confirmed that there were witnesses who said, yes, we saw this UFO crash. It looked like some kind of an airship. We saw it crash. There was talk about the alien, the dead alien uh, being found on board. There was talk about all the material that was left over from the crash. We have uh, confirmation that, yeah, it was thrown down this well. It was excavated. Uh, the person that drank out of the water, uh, their hand, if, you, if you've watched the, uh, some of the documentaries, this guy's hands are all arthritic. They look terrible. It looks like there could have been some kind of health issues because of this. They go on to talk about the metal they had tested. Yeah, 95% aluminum, 5% iron. There's no way they could have been made anywhere in or around Aurora, Texas, back in 1897. You can hardly, you know, it would take a, it would take a modern uh, facility to do this. And so we have the crash, we have the metamaterial, uh, we have witness reports of the alien body. And now, uh, what happened to that alien body? It says alien burial site. The story includes that the spacecraft had a single occupant who was found dead. The town folk had a Christian burial for the badly mangled body in the Aurora, Texas Cemetery. At the same time, an interesting-looking headstone was found, which could have been the marker for the burial site. 
Using metal detectors, investigators discovered that they got the same decibel reading from the gravesite as they did where they found a mysterious aura fragment. The fact that they detected metal in the grave indicated that someone must have buried the metal fragments from the crash site along with the body. This gives the grave site more importance as it shows a direct relationship between the two locations. A certified letter was sent to each member of the cemetery association requesting to exhume the body. The association was dead set against this from happening and had the Wise County Sheriff post deputies at the cemetery to prevent any excavation from happening. Now, think about that. Think of the cost involved. So you've got you've got these uh, sheriff's officers sitting out there full-time watching a graveyard for crying out loud. What was so important to these people that they were worried about? Mufon suffered a crushing blow to their efforts due to the two-week delay. The headstone had been removed along with the metal that had been previously detected as metal detectors were no longer able to locate any metallic debris at the burial site. According to experts, someone had managed to drive a three-inch pipe into the ground and then removed the metal debris from the ground. Sounds like somebody knew what they were doing. So this is what we see so often in these UFO cases. Somebody raises questions, they try to do an investigation, and then they're impeded at the local level and by local law enforcement and it seems like it's for some greater reason. It says legendary status. Like the 1947 Roswell story, the legend describing the encounter at Aurora has grown over the years. Skeptics challenge the story and the investigation seeking to disprove the research by organizations like MUFON and the Air National UFO Bureau. The anti-UFO stories range from saying it was a hot air balloon to the idea that the story was merely a publicity stunt to save a dying town. The most prevalent being... The most prevalent being the hot air balloon theory. Unfortunately for the naysayer, there is no physic there is physically no way it could have been a balloon. There are no balloons that can rise or fall with lightning speed. They can't turn right angles or go to or go vertically up or down. Due to the detailed descriptions of the airship available at the time, it is unlikely that it was a balloon, as that should have been easily recognizable as such by any of the multiple viewers that had seen this particular airship all across the state, as well as the nation. The secondary belief is that the story was concocted by the author of the original Dallas Morning News article of April 19, 1897, S.E. Hayden, had a reputation as a great practical joker and a hoaxer. Jim Mars, an investigative journalist, reports that he, was, that he has found no hard evidence supporting this idea, nor has he found any article written by Mr. Hayden that turned out to be wrong, if Hayden was acting as a reporter as opposed to a hookster, why wouldn't he follow up the story with a line or two saying that people showed up for the funeral service? Barbara Brahmer, the mayor of Aurora, Texas, has spent many years researching the town's history and believes she may have, have an answer to the Aurora legend. According to her, the legend's roots can be traced to after, can be traced to after several disasters suffered by the town. Now, of course, she goes on and says that... Uh, this theory is that uh, the town was in dire need of, of money and they were looking to create uh, uh, tourist dollars. Come on. It's 1897. You know, in the, the article, it finishes up here. It says, um, the once thriving community of Aurora, Texas, began a downhill trek at this time, which could be reasoned for creating such a story in an effort to boost local morale and bring some new interest in the community. You know, I'm sorry. The idea that this thing was just a made-up story just seems like uh, a stretch to me. If it was, it certainly didn't work. 
what compels me about this story, why I keep coming back to it, is these three witnesses they found. They didn't all agree. One of them was a debunker. But the other two said, yeah, my parents saw something, or I saw something, that their stories had the same basic agreement. The fact that, also the fact that this article was placed on page five of the newspaper, if they were trying to create a hoax, or if they were trying to uh, get this story going as a way to promote tourism to this little out-of-the-way town, you would have thought they would have uh, paid enough to get the story put in the paper in such a way that people would notice it. This Aurora, Texas Tech, Texas UFO crash in 1897, to me, has all the hallmarks of a UFO crash. People see it. People report it. People talk about it. And then you have the parallel narrative kicks in. In this case, the parallel narrative being that, well, it was a balloon. It was some sort of a home-built dirigible, even though there's no way that one person is going to have enough resources at their disposal to do this, you know, in the U.S., even though there have been multiple, multiple uh, sightings of this very same type of craft. And then you got another, another narrative. Well, it was just done to promote tourism. It's 1897. How much tourism is going on? When you compare the, the, the alternative narratives to the facts of what was reported in the paper and what people said happened, and you compare that to the evidence of this, what appears to be a, dis a disturbed grave, to the evidence of the material being uh, thrown into this abandoned well and covered up, the well gets cleaned out, the material gets relocated, but the people drinking out of the well become sick. This guy has a terrible case of arthritis, arthritis being what, an immune system issue. All the, all the things that kind of add up to be like, yes, this was a UFO. This UFO did crash in Aurora, Texas in 1897. It caused significant damage to this windmill. Yes, people did go and see it. There was wreckage everywhere. Yes, people did bury the alien in a graveyard. Yes, people did throw the wreckage into an abandoned well. Yes, later on that well was uh, dug back out again. The material was moved again. And the person that consumed water out of that well water became quite sick. Developed a, a terrible condition of arthritis. Yes, people did investigate. Yes, people did go to the reported gravesite of this alien. Yes, the uh, grave uh, stone for that alien disappeared. Yes, the local authorities there did send in law enforcement to guard that gravesite for two weeks until the evidence was uh, mysteriously gone. So, yeah, is there a conspiracy? Well, it certainly looks that way. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out. Thank <music> you.